Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're listening to SFP Now. Welcome to our first episode of 2015. Um, joining me um, for, for the discussion segment of the show are Reese and Craig. So welcome guys, great to have you on again. Uh, the interview that we have a little bit later on is with um, a Victoria Marissa. She's, um, she, she's a model for Playboy, but incredibly she's had a comic book uh, created uh, for her called Vitson ba- Vampire Hunter. So we're, we're going to be talking a bit about that in, in a little bit. Um, but for now, we're going to get on to the important stuff of uh, television and, um, you know, catch up um, on maybe the Doctor... We'll do the Doctor Who thing first, because obviously we didn't have a chance to do that. So, the Doctor Who Christmas special, we are. Verdict? It was a Christmas special. That's... Uh, there were some really, you know, good moments, but it was one of those things where the parts were more than the sum. Mm-hmm. I liked the fact that it was disposable because I'm getting sick of all these plot Christmas special episodes. So I quite liked the fact that it was just a standalone adventure that you could take or leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, although I do have a question though, and this was brought up um, by io9, the reviewer for, for io9 who reviewed the show. Mm-hmm. If they hadn't have done that thing where rumors aside, you know, whether or not Jenna Coleman was actually coming back is a separate conversation. If they hadn't have done that ending and that had actually been her or her exit, what would the theme of her season have been? What would the point of that been? The only thing I could think of is, is if she had actually left at that point, maybe missed opportunities could have been a theme. I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, her story was so disjointed anyway that it didn't really... It didn't really land on anything as it was going, so I think it would have just been another thing that they tried and didn't really add into anything. Yeah, that that was the thing that really bugged me about it, because they they tried so hard to get away from the Impossible Girl arc because they thought she was a plot point, that they didn't realize that overcompensating for that destroyed the value of the plot point. Yeah. And, and I, I really just don't even know what they're trying to accomplish with her now. Yeah. You know, and it's very strange. I mean, I could see the symmetry in what they were trying to do, as in she met the doctor when he was physically very old, and then, you know, there was that same scene, but from the other perspective. Yes, which would, that I appreciated very much. Yeah, but on the whole, I just thought, I thought it was okay. I thought they played with the dream stuff quite well, and it yeah. meant that they could bring Santa and there's some kind of yuletide ramble and you know that was done quite well because Nick Frost did well you know Mm -hmm. but and as soon as I found out that he was just a dream I was like oh thank god 
because <laughs> if it had been real, I would have just been, you know, I'd have been out. But they had that whole tangerine thing a la Inception where you might have been real at the end, you know? Yeah, I'm just trying to ignore that. Which is, I, which is fine, because the people who want to ignore it like you can do that, and the people yeah. who don't can do that, you know? Yeah. It works either way. I, I just I'm, hope they never revisit it. I'm a, bit, yeah. I'm a bit with Craig here. I'm getting fed up with the Christmas theme Doctor Who episodes. I think what they should do is have an episode on Christmas Day and have it be about death, destruction... Um, the tyranny of a conservative government and um, <laughs> and and the queen and um, you know meaningless sets violence and and debauchery and all of that yeah and <laughs> just completely take Christmas out of the equation. I'm not and, so sure about that, but that I, way, I did like that it wasn't you know it it wasn't essential. Yeah, and that yeah. way you can rival East regeneration episodes. We've had other regeneration episodes, you know. Yeah, it can rival EastEnders by, by, by being something that's uh, the complete opposite of what Christmas is. Mm. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> have you noticed how every single EastEnders Christmas episode is so depressing? It's like, I don't I don't watch it. it's, yeah. like, it's like two or three times more depressing as a regular episode of EastEnders, and the regular episodes are depressing, so yeah. Well, I've always wondered why anybody in EastEnders looks forward to Christmas because yeah. something horrible always happens. You know, you know, they could save themselves a lot of money and and um, a lot of acting craze by having all the cast smash their wrists about six weeks before Christmas <laughs> and you know, end of the show, brilliant. Well, that's that's dark. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, so you know while we're on while we're on uh, on on the theme of Christmas, uh, the librarians did a really really cool Christmas episode which uh, featured Bruce Campbell as Santa Claus. Oh, that was awesome. And, that was really awesome. And that was awesome. It was actually way, way better than the Doctor Who one because it actually did something quite fun with Christmas. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, so, but, you know, Librarians is a show that I've been, that, that Risa and I have been enjoying. And um, I, don't, I don't know what's going on in America, but they're dragging out here. But apparently in, in the States, they're showing the final two episodes next week. Yes. Well, we got, we got the next to last final two this week in a, in a double bank and then next week is the last two yeah so so basically mm. last week they showed the last two episodes because uh, we're doing a bit of time travel here mm. <laughs> oh, oh no, oh no we're, in fact we're not it will be next week yeah <laughs> but it's sort of like um, it's never a good sign, really, when 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 an American network will you know show two episodes back to back and then do it again the following week so yeah they're, they're burning them off it's, it's using as if they're burning them off. It's in, it's a sounds of impending doom. I'm hoping it isn't because I love the show. Yes, yeah, it's, it's adorable. It's it absolutely adorable. It's actually better than Warehouse 13. It is, and that's saying a lot because Warehouse 13 was pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, they've done some really cool stuff. I mean, they they, they had Morgan the Fay in in yesterday's episode. One I yes, yes. You know, so really delving into fantasy, and it also had a reference to Dune in it as well. Well, because the I, I put that in my comment. The the actress who played Morgan Le Fay, Alicia Witt, began her career at the age of nine, and she played Alia, um, Paul Moadib's sister, Alia, the uh, metaphysical crack baby, <laughs> in uh, in, uh, in in nineteen in the nineteen eighty four Dune opposite uh, Kyle MacLachlan. But basically, in the better Dune, not the Sci Fi Channel Dune. Yeah. Is that the Patrick Stewart one? Uh, yes, yeah. that's the Patrick Stewart one. She was she was she was a girl. And uh, that was her first major role. And, and she's she's still a girl, only she has boobs now. Yes. <laughs> uh, you know, but how how old is she now? She probably what? She she's a couple of years younger than me. I, I'm forty. I'll be forty two this year. So she's a couple of years younger than me. And she was born in she was born in seventy five. I looked it up. Yeah. 
she, she, she was quite good as Morgan the Fae in that, actually. She, she was, was excellent. She was excellent. Uh, it's like I said in, in my review about that particular episode, they, they could have done with getting to the point a little bit quicker in that episode because the pacing was a little bit all over the place. It was, it was. Um, but once they introduced her as Morgan the Fae, it's all like um, everything just seemed to, seemed, seemed to unravel. Um, so, so there is that. And um, moving off of librarians now, we can sort of maybe discuss librarians a little bit uh, more in depth in, in, in the next show, um, uh-huh. once, we've, once we've all seen it on, I guess. Um, Agent Carter started last week, and um, I've got to say, uh, the, the first, uh, the pilot episodes, I quite enjoyed it. I'm just wondering what you guys felt. Yes, as, as a pilot, I thought it was excellent. I thought they were really good as well. The the two episodes were really strong, and it's um, it's good to see that they took advantage of the time period and the the rampant sexism that went on at that point, and how she takes advantage of that by assuming that everybody thinks she's stupid. Mm-hmm. I thought I thought the bit in in the restaurant was quite funny, where where you know, sort of like the uh, the abusive the abusive customers abusing the, uh, the 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 woman that's serving him by grabbing yeah. her ass and all of that. And uh, then, then Agent Carter, she leaves, she sort of like uh, sticks a fork right up to some sort of like nerve, nerve cluster. Yeah. <laughs> and, and pretty much uh, strongly suggests that he tip big and start eating somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> that was cool. Yeah. You know, that was, that was funny. But I, 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 think, um, I think the butler character, the relationship between Carter and the butler is, is fantastic. What's the butler's name again now? Is it Jeeves? or Jar- Jar- Jarvis. Jarvis. The yeah. same as the, the same as, uh, as Stark Jr.'s computer. Yeah, and I know it's the same as Jr.'s computer. I just couldn't think of the name. Yeah. <laughs> um, but... Although Jarvis, the computer, is also an acronym for just a very intelligent system. Mm-hmm. Mm. So it's clear that Tony was trying his hardest to fit some words in there, you yeah. know, because yes. he wanted to call it Jarvis. Yes. So that's quite a good, that's quite um, an interesting one. Yeah. It's a nice little bit of trivia, but I thought I thought the uh, I thought the acting between the, those two main characters of Jarvis and and uh, and Carter and, and Agent Carter was really really good. They, they've got a kind of a fun. It's almost sort of like an eighties sort of like dynamic between the two of them, isn't they? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And it leads me to wonder if we're actually ever going to meet Mrs. Jarvis. I'm very curious to know yeah. what her reality is relative to all of this. Yeah. It seems like she doesn't really know what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've got a feeling that Mrs. Jarvis is probably a fembot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've got a feeling that, uh, you know, Jarvis was having problems, so Tony sort of like created him a fembot. Oh. Howard. No, Howard created him a fembot. <laughs> Yeah, um, that that would actually fit in with the uh, with the sexist sort of sensibility of the <laughs> of the times as well, wouldn't it? You know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, Jar- Jarvis is married to a robot. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, but I um I, I gotta say I really enjoyed it. I can't wait to see more. Um, it was really well written. I mean, especially the first episode, which was written by the the two writers that wrote Winter Soldier. So it's no surprise that they've managed to, you know, get amazing depth of character in there. Um, I have to say that as as a genuine fan of a lot of those old time radio shows, I'm I'm actually very fond of them. Um, my my favorite my favorite sequences were the ones where they wrote. The, the fake adventure program based off of um, Captain America. Ca- Captain America, because I, I am I'm, I'm extremely fond of the Shadow and the Green Hornet and, and those and shows yeah. of that ilk. 
And uh, in fact, one of my um, one of my New Year's Eve traditions now is an episode of uh, The Shadow called "The Man Who Murdered Time," and it's basically uh, the, the shadow version of, Ground- of Groundhog's Day. And so it's quite wonderful. And I just I really appreciated the effort that went into the reconstruction of of that type of program. It's not a small thing to be able to figure out how to how to write that you know yeah. within a modern context. Yeah, it was also interesting, sort of thematically, because it was kind of haunting her throughout the episode. You know, because she was reminded of um, well, she was reminded of Captain America and her contribution to you know to his career, and then. Um, she was reminded of this kind of cheesy adventure thing as how the rest of the world see him. Yeah, yeah. And it just it was it was very effectively done, both yeah. well, both in terms of meta commentary and as just a reconstruction of that genre. Because it's yeah. it, it was just very well put together. And what also plays into it funny is the uh, in, in the um, in, in the radio serial you got the nurse, um, you know, Pe- Peggy's Peggy's role in, in things in, in the whole thing. Um It's a triage nurse, it's, yeah. It's a triage nurse. So she's kind of being downgraded there um, yeah. and stuff. Yeah, although I can't remember if that's what she was originally in, in the comics. I mean, she's been through several different permutations over the years. Yeah, yeah. I think in the comics she probably was back in the day. But... Yeah, back in the 40s when his shield wasn't browned and things like that. 30s, yeah. actually. Yeah. yeah, I think Captain America was created in the 30s. All right. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm not sure. I'd have to. Um, I'd have to. I'd have to pick up my uh, autobiography of Joe, Joe, Joe Schuster and, and check that check that fact. But I think I think he was. I think he was created prior to the war. Mm. Um, it was just I was such a good character to be used as a propaganda that they went ahead and did it. According to Wikipedia, March 1941. Ooh, yeah. So, well, America wasn't in the war. That's what. That's probably what what was nagging at me there. Yeah. So, I don't think America entered the war to 1942. No, 41 with uh, Pearl Harbor. Yeah, it was, it was quite 1941, though, wasn't it? Yeah, December. True. Yeah. Officially, it might have been 42. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, um, moving on to a next topic. It's been quite, and I thought we'd have a bit of fun with this. Um, so this this probably round up the show uh, a little bit. Uh, there's been quite a lot of fun, you know, fun news to do with Star Trek of late. Um, and um, a fun segment came out uh, just de- just doing it this week, actually, where Mark Podowitz, the uh, pres- president of CW. I said that he'd very much like the CW to be 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 the uh, be be the channel that hosts a new Star Trek show. Um, so it's, it kind of got me to thinking, um, you know, about 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 it a little bit, and um, you know, got me thinking, what would a new Star Trek show be uh, now? I mean, it's been ten years since we since we last had a Star Trek show on the air, and uh, since that time, we've had. Two sort of like movies which um, have been a little bit more like Star Wars than Star Trek, maybe. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And you know, so so how how do they do a Star Trek show now um, and stuff? And um, you know, as as fans, because we're all fans of Star Trek to some some degree, what what sort of what sort of stories or themes would you like to see? I mean. I not know. not anything based on the current movie franchise, unfortunately. I don't <laughs> think I could. I don't think I could watch that week to week. No, God, no. So it'd have to be within the uh, within the established television universe. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I'm also trying to figure out how what a CW Star Trek show would look like. 
Oh, did it all be about 15? Yeah. Although, I mean, the 100 if they, if they did start is quite the mature. Academy, it would work. Yeah, but I don't want to see that either. Mm-hmm. Um, if they did, you know, they've, they've managed really mature sort of, it's, uh, it's only vaguely science fiction, but with the 100, that's, um, you know, that's really well written, quite dark, and, you know, and the characters are really complex. Obviously, they're all young, but, but you know, the, the potential is there, and the CW is growing up a bit with its characters and TV shows. Well, I think it has to. I mean, let's, let's face it, it's been hosting Supernatural since around about season four. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was an interesting choice when, like with The Flash, when they introduced him, he's not at high school, you know, because mm-hmm. they could have so easily done that. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's, um, you know, it, it would be interesting to see what it looked like. Um, hopefully they don't do it in the style of the Vampire Diaries. I mean, it begs it, it begs a question, Um if CW were to do it, would they do the uh, the much lampu bangyhood um, on off again Starfleet Academy uh, premise? But because um, I think I think one of the directors of the movies uh, pitched a Starfleet Academy idea for a film. Yeah, Harv Bennett, if I'm not mistaken. I yeah. think it was, yeah. And and it was um, it was pretty much ejected right right out of the gate in favour of um, what what became the Undiscovered Country. Yeah, thank God. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you there because I think at that particular point in time, I don't think Star Trek would have been ready for a Starfleet Academy series. Yeah, I mean, just from a personal point of view, I don't really want to see that. You know, um, for Star Trek, I've always loved the fact that they're out exploring on a ship, or you know, in the case of Deep Space Nine, on a station. But they're, you know, they're all like really competent individuals exploring new things whereas instead of it would just become another high school show set in the star trek universe you know what i would like is that you know voyagers when it started out before before they ended up in the middle of you know all of the crap they ended up in the middle of was a research special yeah and janeway got the captaincy of it because she had been the science officer aboard her previous ship i can't remember the name of it now and in in the in the um, next generation finale, all good things. You see a future where Be- Beverly Crusher is the captain of a medical vessel. Yeah, I, I would actually like a version of Star Trek where you actually have a medical vessel or or exploration science vessel that is specifically that. Yeah, yeah. Or, or a medical vessel called to the scene of um, various uh, disasters within within the staff meet. You know, so mm-hmm. like doing triage and all of that stuff. But you know, I don't. I don't think that would probably work. I don't think it'd have much, much legs, mm. um, to be honest. But you know, they could maybe they could do an anthology series. Yeah. I was thinking that actually, you know, you could have six episodes at Starfleet Academy, six episodes on an Enterprise of some description, six episodes on some station somewhere, and keep going like that. So it never becomes stale because you're always going somewhere different. Yeah, maybe yeah. Maybe, maybe six episodes would be a bit too long-winded, though. Maybe three episodes yeah. of each or something like that, or, or two. Uh, yeah. but, but, you know, change it up. Um, you know, you could maybe have a... And and that way you get to explore, depending on the uh, the budget of the show, you get to explore some like the different planets, you know, the political systems within within the Romulan Empire, a little bit more in depth, sort of thing. Because it yeah. doesn't have to be about staffing it every week. No. Yeah. Although if it goes on CW, the budget will probably be fairly limited. Mm-hmm. True. I mean, they they could always uh, they could always sell like cut and paste scenes. <laughs> From old episodes. Stock footage. <laughs> stock footage. Because <laughs> Star Trek never had any stock footage. Mm. 
Yeah, well, you know, Battlestar Galactica, the original series, was famous for stock footage. They used the same <laughs> bloody ships of the Vipers launching from the thingy, every single thing. You know, every single yeah. dogfight in, in the Battlestar Galactica series was taken from the movie. <laughs> <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't change it at all, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, but it's yeah. a tough one because there isn't any space opera on TV at the moment. Although I don't know if that Ascension show is still on. I don't actually really know what it's about, but as far as I can tell, it's people on a ship going somewhere. It was it was basically Battlestar Galactica meets sixties Time Capsule. It was based oh, right. on the premise. It's an alternate universe series based on the premise that to save humanity during the height of the Cold War. Um, and this is based on an actual fact in that in that JFK was actually contemplating putting a, a life ship in the stars mm. as, as a lifeboat for humanity during the height of the Cold War. He eventually opted out because it, it scared the bejesus out of him as a concept when they were showing him some of the stuff. But the premise of the series was going on the assumption that he went ahead and did this. Right. And so you had a, a sort of a colony of people who were so stuck in this 60s time capsule ship. And I decided not to watch it just based off of the um, promos because it looked like they were just trying to re recapture Battlestar Galactica without being Battlestar Galactica, mm. including having Trisha Helper. Oh, right. I've just, um, it's kind of on my list of things to look at, but I've not had the chance yet. Mm. I mean, any kind of space opera show kind of gets my attention a little bit at some point because I'm really starved for it because you've got ten a penny of everything else on TV. You just don't have any, any of that at the moment. Mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I suppose the closest would be Star Wars Rebels, which is, you know, a cartoon, but mm. no less valid. Yeah, I like yeah. Star Wars Rebels. I've been watching I, that. I like it. I really like it. I'm really impressed with it every week. I think it's getting better. Yeah, I think it's way, way better than the uh, Star Wars Clone Wars. You know, because yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't particularly like Clone Wars because it didn't really feel very much in the spirit of the uh, Star Wars uh, series, but then again, I, I felt pretty much the same about the prequel movies as well. Yeah, you know, I didn't so. mind Clone Wars actually. I mean, I got all the way through it. Some some of it was really really terrible, but for the most part, it was actually pretty watchable. Mm. Well, you know, I'm, I'm just liking the characters in Rebels far better. Yeah, they're not they're not focusing on the secondary characters enough. It's all about Kanan and uh, Ezra at the moment. Mm. Uh. Yeah, they need they need to focus a little bit more on the secondary characters. Yeah, yeah. But an idea that I had uh, for a Star Trek show was uh, privateers of the of the Federation. I mean, you know, in in Star Trek, we always heard about the Federation, the Romulan Empire, and and uh, the Cardassians, and and all of that. Mm. And one of the things I like about your premise, um, which you know you can discuss in a minute if you want. Is the fact that you, you, you're utilising the Tolians and the Gorn, which were never really fully explored. But the idea I had was maybe have a, you know, it's basically taken from that Star Trek Next Generation 2 part called Gambit, where you had pirates. Yeah. And I thought, what if we had a pirate ship? It could be sort of like Star Trek version of Firefly. That it's kind of like, you know, they're the outcasts of the Federation, outcasts from these different sort of like uh, things. And, and they're kind of like uh, do, doing um, a lot of private private work on the fringes, mm -hmm. um, where maybe having one week to do they're, they're sort of like looking for some sort of like hidden relic that they're, that they're after for their own ends, or maybe another week they're working a covert mission for Section Thirty One of the Federation, or another week they're sort of like uh, they're sort of like working working for the Romulan Star Empire. 
sort mm, of thing. Yeah. You know, you know, I thought, how about something like that that's is different and has them working on the fringes so it doesn't have to be as clean and, um, you know, you can have a bit more, you know, inter-character conflict in, in that sort of setting than, than you could maybe in... In 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 a um, in, in a clean cut Star Trek show, which is you know what we'd probably get. Yeah, mm. that would, that's that would definitely fit into an anthology type series as well. Like if you wanted to test it, you know, just to see how it went. Maybe that's what they should do. Maybe they should just do an anthology series to test ideas out on yeah. the audience. And, and yeah, they could do thirteen episodes of like four different ideas or something, and let the viewers vote for their favourite. Yeah. To get picked up into a main series, that'd be an interesting way to do it. it, it I'm, I'm, I'm surprised more shows don't do something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I personally think that if there's a Star Trek show that that's made, new, if a new Star Trek show gets made, I don't think it'll be, I don't think it'll be the CW that gets it. I think it'd probably be something like Netflix. Yeah, um, there was all sorts of rumours about Netflix Star Trek stuff over the years, but it never comes to anything. The problem is, you need a lot of money thrown at it to get it even off the ground, because you've got to build all these sets, you've got costumes, makeup design, everything like that, you know. It's much more expensive than your average show because everything has to be built from scratch. Yeah, but it doesn't have to necessarily be built from scratch anymore because as has been proved with Battlestar Galactic, you, you can get quite a lot achieved with CGI. Yeah, although there's there's sets like the Command Centre and stuff, that was all a physical set, you know. Yeah, but you you know you don't ne- you don't necessarily have to have the command center as a physical set. You can you can do it pretty convincingly now with CGI. Yeah, they would still look a bit fake for me. You know, you know, I'm thinking Star Wars prequels where all the rooms were just CGI monstrosities. Aye. Yeah, I, I, I didn't really notice that, that that too badly about Star Wars prequels. It was just so like the characters in in, <laughs> in in those films felt very flat to me. Yeah, and, and, everything and, was flat. There and, was no depth to anything. And and the <laughs> and the ships were too CGI. You yeah, know, they you know the, the the actual starships didn't look very realistic to me. Too clean. Yeah, it looked too smooth. Mm. You know. Um, I mean, I think Babylon Five did the did the best job of it, and that was when CGI was kind of um, clunky and not not as good as it is now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and and I think you know if you look back at B Five, the, the the ships in that are all computer generated. But if you if you look at them now in and compare them and contrast them with what we had in the Star Wars prequel movies, the B Five ships come out looking better. They do. Yeah, it's really strange. <laughs> I mean, they could always do some kind of mini-series like they did with Battlestar, you know, a sort of three-hour event to see how people like it. Yeah, I mean, you know, another thing they could do is, you know, if they wanted to carry on in the in, in the lines of a prequel, which, you know, heaven forbid, and let's, not, let's hope that they don't, uh, they, they could sort of maybe, uh, you know, James Cromwell... Um, James Cromwell was uh, Zephyrin Cochrane, who isn't in really in, in line with the Star Trek continuity from the original series, because they kind of mm-hmm. changed that for First Contact. Mm-hmm. But he went off with um, he went off with the Vulcans, didn't he? At the end of that. Yes. Um, what happened to him after that? <laughs> you know, that th- th- that could yeah. be that could be the starting point for a miniseries, or, or even even an episode of this anthology show. You know? Yeah. 
It, 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 there's, there's all sorts of routes that you could go. I mean, your idea, you know, from what I've read of it, um, I didn't read it all because it was very, very in-depth. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, some extensive note-taking was involved. Yeah, I, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was reading a bit of it this afternoon, actually, while, while writing a review, you know, for something else. Um, mm-hmm. So I was, I, was, I was some multitasking, or at least trying to. But... One of the things I liked about it is that it's not the it's not the cutesy safe federation that that we've all come to know and love. Yeah, my idea was always well, um, I always thought that shooting two hundred years or so into the future was a great idea because that way you can pick and choose what you want from the rest of the the canon and ignore the rest because it's far enough ahead that it doesn't matter. So you're not bogged down by this kind of nebulous level of continuity that you know people get obsessive about mm. yeah but what i liked about yours as well is the fact that you were uh, you chose to use the tolians and the gone which are so like two two great races from from the original series continuity uh but were, were were never really revisited in in next generation or, or deep space nine or voyager but, no. but kind of got touched upon briefly in in in, in enterprise well, they, they appear in our universe once in Enterprise, and then the next time was in the Mirror Universe. Mm-hmm. And the Gorn only ever appeared, well, they appear in the animated series and in the Mirror Universe for Enterprise. So, yeah, they're they're rife for development, I think. Mm. And they also use the Gorn in, um, in, in the J.J. Abrams universe as well. Yeah, with that um, awful PlayStation Three game. Yeah, and you know you, you had a you had a storyline with the with the PlayStation Three game, which uh, was supposedly what what transpired uh, prior to uh, Star Trek Into Darkness. But I don't think it was referenced too much in Into Darkness. So. There was one line that mentioned it. There was, yeah. Yeah, McCoy said he performed a C-section on a pregnant Gorn or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's right, and um, and and the movie just went from bad to worse after that. <laughs> <laughs> it was already in full swing for being terrible at that point. I think, <laughs> I think it probably was. Um, Although, I, if in terms of the movies, I want one thing and one thing only. I want two levels of meta. I want. Um, I mentioned this in a comment in the in the bottom of one of your discussions, Craig, for our, mm-hmm. our start. I think I want them to bring in Patrick Stewart to play Anton Caridian, Kodos the Executioner. Yeah, and he's he's playing a serial killer in a film this year, so like, you know, it, so, it would work. It would yeah, work. So so he's into that mindset at the moment. And then he could bring in, he could bring in an up and coming actress from the Royal Shakespeare Company to play Lenore Caridian opposite yeah. him. Perfect. Mm-hmm. The problem with that sort of thing is he doesn't really have that history with Kirk that he would originally, you know, because this Kirk never left Earth until he joined Starfleet. And that's true. Um, Unless they just ask us to ignore the first two, which I'm more than happy to do. Mm. I feel like they're they're missing an opportunity if they don't if they're going to do this alternate universe thing. I feel like they're missing an opportunity if they don't bring in Patrick Stewart as as Anton Caridian. Yeah. It's like two levels of meta in one. Yeah, I mean they've, they've missed all sorts of opportunities. I mean, you know, they, they, they've basically gone down the path that they you know that they should never have gone down, and that's bringing Khan back. Yeah, that that song like um, it, you know when I first heard about them doing that, you know back in back in two thousand nine, there, there was rumours going around back then that Khan's gonna be in the next movie and and Paramount were flatly denying it and so was Abrams and all this. Oh, Khan isn't gonna be in the next movie, he's not, and they denied it right up until the release of the film. Yeah. Um, 
and I thought as soon as soon as I, as soon as it was you know that 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 was where the, where the uh, new films really jumped the shark because you know the fact of the matter is as good as an actor as um, Cumberbatch. As, as Cumberbatch is he's no he's no Ricardo Montalban. You know, I think I think it would have been fine if he'd just been a rogue Starfleet guy, you know, and because they they seem to have a theme going of Kirk not respecting the rules. So who better for him to face than someone that kind of personifies that, and you know, it could teach him a lesson about how important these regulations are. Yeah, I mean that would have been good. That that probably would have been a better. That probably would have been been a much better premise. But you know, sort of bring bringing some someone back as Khan. Yeah. I'm known in that. You know, the, the 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 entire film's got one massive big plot hole going for it. <laughs> More <Yeah>. just one. <laughs> well, well, there's there's one there's one that stands out above all others. Yeah. But the the, the whole Khan being um, well, not looking like Ricardo Montalban. <laughs> no, 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 not that. Right. In order to bring Kurt, Kurt back to life, McCoy needs uh, some some blood from the uh, from, from from the clones, right? Mm-hmm. And and um, you know we send Spock off to get himself killed to get into that fisticuffs we can, yeah. Mm-hmm. What was the point of all that when they had all the other five hundred fucking clones on the ship? They could have sort of like got the blood from one of them. Yeah, there's innumerable things they could have done. I mean, they're stuck now because they have a cure for death. So, but that was like yeah. that was like a massive. That was like the the, the biggest one there. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was like the biggest plot hole ever. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I, I'd like to see a new Star Trek series. I'm just not sure um, what, what 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 I'd want it to be. I mean, there's all sorts of ways ways to go with it. I'm also yeah. not too sure about having Brian Fuller or Ron Moore attached either. I think some new blood is it would be good. Although maybe getting Manny Cotto back would be a good shout because he was just starting to hit his stride with Enterprise. So I think that he would be a great choice to pick it up and do his own thing with a new thing. I think he'd be really good at it. Mm-hmm. I think that, I think Manny Cotto would be a good one to use as well because to be honest, uh, Brian Funger and Ron Moore uh, were both well, Ron Moore more more so than Funger were both heavily influential. In Star Trek, to a point where where Moore was practically sort of like uh, co-executive producing with Ira Bear. Yes, you know, in in, in Deep Space Nine, and um, I think Fugger was more involved in 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 Voyager, wasn't he? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. Ron Moore left Voyager when he when when he wasn't liking what was going on over there. So. Yeah, I think I think Ron Moore wanted Voyager to be a lot darker than it was. Yeah. And um, because he couldn't get his way, because. Um, because I think I remember at the time, uh, Rick Berman was more—he was trying to stay as true to Gene Roddenberry's vision as possible of uh, of there being no conflict and, and stuff like that. He saw like, um, and 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 it's really ironic because one thing Berman is criticised for by a lot of fans is the fact that he deviated too far away from Roddenberry's vision. Mm. Yeah. So. Although it needed to be because early years of Next Generation were just dull. You know, everybody agreed with each other and then everybody was so self-righteous as well. It was mm. terrible. Well, it's a bit like the politics of the time as well, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's certainly be interesting to see see what, what comes of it, um, you know, have Manny Cotto up top as the exec producer and uh, maybe bring in new writers. 
uh, but keep Damon Lindelof and uh, and uh, you know and and the current movie team as far away from it as possible. Yes, I, I think that's a great idea. I don't want I don't want uh, Bob Arky writing anything. Certainly not anything I want to watch. Mm. No. Well, I watch. I, I I've got a guilty pleasure in as I watched the remake of the Y Five O, but that's <laughs> only because of uh, Grace Park. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's sort of like it's basically the scene in the intro where she's uh, coming out of a coming out coming out off, off the beach in in bikini and that. But that's that's about that's about it. Um, <laughs> I, actually, I do watch the whole show and I quite enjoy the uh, buddy cop sort of thing going on in in mm-hmm. there, sort of thing. But um, that said, it's not a Wi-Fi bow if you if you kind of grew up with the original. Mm-hmm. It's a completely yeah. different beast. Um, and you could argue that Hawaii Five O's basically, uh, you know, CSI Hawaii, <laughs> yeah, or, or something, yeah. You know. I mean, he's definitely tainted Star Trek. He tainted Spider-Man. He was about to taint Power Rangers before he thankfully got removed from that project. Well, removed himself. I never liked Power Rangers anyway, so it wouldn't, have, yeah. you know, wouldn't have had any effect on me because I wouldn't have gone to watch that. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, so like, um, I mean, I, 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 I've not even seen the latest Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie that Michael Bay produced. I'm not going to watch that either. Don't, don't waste your time. No. On my top ten worst list, it was number three. Aye. Right. Well, um, four. On my top ten worst list, it was never watched uh, because <laughs> I, you know, to be honest, I didn't even like the, uh, the the features that they they made of the of the Ninja Turtles back in the nineties when it was actually relevant. No, I didn't either. Um, the thing is, it is still relevant. Um, there's cartoons ones just now that people are watching, you know, that are, um, I don't know, I'm not watching them, but they're kind of for that generation. So I do think that movie audiences do deserve a Teenage Mutant Tur- Ninja Turtles movie that absolutely belongs to them. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's no need to try and pander to people that don't care or whatever. Yeah, I, I kind of stopped caring about the turtles after the 90s. I used to love the cartoon series, the the uh, cartoon series that, that was made in the late 80s. Yeah. And, and was airing in the early 90s. That that was that for me was great. Yeah. And then uh, then Power Rangers came along and ruined it all. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the modern turtles cartoon isn't really for us as such. Mm. You know, it's for kids now. And it, at that, I imagine it does really well. But you know, this new movie was just a mess. It was number four I put it. I didn't put it at three. Three was Lucy. Oh, you didn't like Lucy? I I liked a lot of it. Not all of it. There were problems, but I think I I liked a lot of it. I I was annoyed at how stupid it was, but constantly pretending it was smart. Mm. You know, this whole, uh, what does this mean? Oh, you'd never understand. So, no, I just don't like your lazy writing. Yeah, (laughs) you think it was probably kind of condescending and talking down to its audience, maybe. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. just complete stupidity from start to finish. Mm. I mean, I, I picked up on the fact that she was just going to ascend to godhood anyway. Yeah, you well, know? she essentially tells you quite early on she's got 16 hours left or however long it is before mm. she, before her body burns <laughs> out. Yeah, I mean, I, I quite liked it as an action from it, but I wasn't really taking taking take, paying too much attention to the plot, to mm. be honest. <laughs> no. I I appreciated the fact that they got Morgan Freeman to try and make it sound at least vaguely plausible because he's very good at that. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I, I I did also appreciate the fact that it it demonstrated once and for all that 
Scarlett Johansson really should just be given that Black Widow movie. Because <laughs> she can't there's any do... doubt in anyone's mind of that, though. Yeah. You know, it's, just... or it's apparently doubt in some people's minds where she would have been given a Black Widow movie by now. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, Marvel have their plans laid out until, you know, the year 2090 or something like that by now. So it'll be in there somewhere. Mm. Yeah, and Scarlett will probably be about 90 years old by the time I get to it, probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 90-year-old, um, lots of Botox injections and stuff like that, spotted <laughs> an Icra walking on canes. <laughs> you know, that, 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 that'll be it. That'll be it. Um, yeah, you know, seemingly, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if DC get a Wonder Woman movie out before before Marvel get get one of their need, need female characters out. It depends. Um, I can't remember what date they've actually set aside for Wonder Woman, but, you know, Captain Marvel's 2016 or something, or is it 2017? I can't remember. Oh, so they use, are they using the female Captain Marvel, yeah? Yeah, it's going to be Carol Danvers, yeah. Ah, right, cool. Okay, well, um, I think uh, I think that pretty much wraps things up for this week. Um, now it's on to uh, our interview with uh, Victoria Marissa about her comic book, which has been released through uh, a company called Red Sky Comics. So, without further ado, on to the interview. <laughs> Okay, I'd like to welcome um, Victoria Marisa to the show. Um, a Playboy model is well as um, you know somebody who's just had their own comic book uh, done for them uh, by, by Red Sky. How are you doing, Victoria? Good. How are you? I- I'm good. So, so first off, um, what 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 made it you want to get into uh, into the world of modelling? Um, you know, is it um, because you should imagine it takes a lot of lot of confidence and uh, you know. Yes, I've always wanted to be a model. Um, ever since the Girls Next Door came out on E, I wanted to model for Playboy. So when I was of age, I applied, so I'm doing that. And um, I'm doing a lot of other genres of modeling as well. Mm-hmm. So um, you, when we say you're doing a lot of other genres, um, does that does that include a kind of cosplaying at at, at a comic events and stuff like that, where you where you dress up as a superheroine or something like that? Um, I've never done that before, but I'm open to it. Yeah, so so that's something you might like to do. Maybe dress up as Catwoman or Wonder Woman or one of the one of the iconic comic book characters, or or even your own. Sure, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, so like um, I, I I go to conventions every now and again myself, and uh, I've got to say I've got a lot, lot of admiration for those people that do that, you know, because you you know they get so creative, and a lot of them do their own costumes and stuff yeah. like that. So it's it's just um, it's you know it's pretty pretty wild to see. I wouldn't have the confidence to do it myself, but you know it's great that people do. Um, yeah. So how do you how did your modeling evolve into you know into working with Red Sky on the uh, on the comic? Well, actually, Red Sky contacted me and asked me if I would be interested in having a comic book made based off of me. Okay. Uh, well, can you maybe uh, talk, talk talk us through a little bit about a comic? It's uh, Vitz and the Vampire Hunter, right? Yes. Um, it's about a girl named Vixen, and she hunts vampires and saves the world. So it's kind it's kind of like um, 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 a slightly more adult twist on on Buffy. Would you say? Yeah, I'd say that. Mm-hmm. Um, do, do you um, do you actually uh, in, enjoy reading comics yourself, or, or did, was you a fan of Buffy and, and and that sort of you know genre sort of thing? Um, I don't think I've ever read a comic book before. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Um, what, what about TV shows? Uh, you, you into vampire things, stuff like True Blood? Uh, I haven't watched True Blood or Twilight or any of those, but I'm into like the paranormal. I love ghost hunters. All right, so you 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 go ghost hunters. That's a sci-fi channel, right? Yes. Yeah, I've never actually watched an episode of that. Um, I used to watch, um, we used to have one on a, a UK version um, a while back um, where, where they go into um, all these old haunted houses and castles and places throughout England and um, and, and, and they do a similar thing actually. It was hosted by a, a UK TV personality called uh, Yvette Fielding um, and, and that, that, that was quite good. It was quite creepy. <laughs> cool. So, so you kind of like you kind of like more into the you know in, into into horror, but the supernatural, ghosts sort of thing. Yeah, I love the paranormal, psychics, anything spiritual, ethereal. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah, I'm I'm kind I'm kind of like that way way as well. But I, I like superheroes and um, you know not lots of space battles and stuff like that. So. Um, you know, I'm probably more to the uh, more more to the edgier boyish side of things, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, are, are, are you um, are you are you hoping um, how how many issues of the um, Vits and Vampire Hunter have you had so far? Is it just? Um, I'm not sure. Red Sky World is distributing them, so I'm not sure how many have sold so far. Mm-hmm. So 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 what exactly is Sky World? Because I've never heard I've never actually heard about it until. Uh, until you contacted me um, through our Facebook page about it, um, you know, it seems, seems to be. Is it is it tied in with? Um, is it all tied in with the the, the modeling industry? Um, yeah, I haven't heard of Red Sky World until they approached me, also. But um, yeah, they use a lot of models to base their comic book characters off of. So, like all the um, characters you see, they really look like the models, and um, yeah, the models we all get our own. Like web pages when we model for them. So, um, in, in, you know, um, in in term in terms of the modeling and and stuff like that, um, I, are you uh, do, do you have any plans maybe so like use it as a, as a build up to maybe go into acting and you know and and doing that sort of thing. Um, I want to make it to the top as a model, but if I do act, that'll be more something on the side. But modeling is my main focus. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any is there any song like an uh, individual uh, model, you know, models career that you, that you'd perhaps like to emulate? Um, you know, pe- people that you, you you've admired that have that have come up. Yes, I love Anna Nicole Smith. She is my icon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was rather tragic what happened to her, though, wasn't it, really, um, with, with all the uh, drug and alcohol-related stuff? Yeah, heartbreaking. Very, very sad. Yeah, she she didn't have an easy time with it, really. No, and I love the way she was portrayed on um, the Lifetime film that was made about her, because I think a lot of people thought of her as a certain way, but she had a lot of, um, you know, pain and tragedy in her life that people didn't see, and I think they portrayed her in a very compassionate way that she would be very happy about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I I, I kind of like I kind of vaguely remember the uh, she did a reality TV series for a while and um, and then shortly after that it, it kind of like um, all went wrong for her really. Well, things are going bad for her for a while. When she got the show, that was when um, she had like no money, so she did the show to make some money and the sh- and E bought her that house that it was filmed in. Mm. And then right after the show ended is when she got pregnant with Danny Lynn, and then she- then Daniel died, and then she died right after. Mm-hmm. 
Um, is is there any um, any any uh, other models that have been particular inspiration to you as well? I mean, so like, um, I mean, there's quite quite a few famous ones, isn't there? That that have kind of like crossed over. Yeah, um, there are a lot of models that I'm a fan of, but definitely Anna Nicole is my number one, and I want to like emulate the type of career that she had. But hopefully, without all the problems and pain and drugs and alcohol and stuff like that. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, in, in in terms of um, in, ter- in terms in terms of um, song like uh, supernatural things, um, is there anything else other than ghost hunters that, that you know? Would you? How about that? How you know? Would you like to be on an episode of Ghost Hunters? Could you see yourself doing that if 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 you you know you get to a stage where you you reach the very top and you're invited on? I would love to be a guest on Ghost Hunters. Mm-hmm. That would be really fun. Yeah, you know, do you not think it'd scare the crap out of you, though? Um, I don't really think of it as anything scary, unless it's, like, a dangerous haunting. Because I think we have spirits, like, all around us that we just don't see. I don't really think it's, like, a scary thing. Mm -hmm. So, um, so do you actually believe that, you know, everyone's kind of got got a spirit guide and stuff like that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so... That, that's pretty cool. I mean, I, I you know, I, I've, I've often found uh, a lot of Native American, you know, things kind of, kind of interesting. How they have so like spirit, spiritual animal guides and stuff like that. So. Yeah, I practice shamanism, so I'm really into like the Native Americans and their type of um, traditions and rituals. Mm-hmm. Um. So, is is there any, you know? You know, you've practiced, you've practiced shamanism. Is there any sort of like, um, you know, in, interesting stories or fables uh, from 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 that sort of like um, from the, from Native American, you know, culture that 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 that, that, that you've been particularly um, interested in? Yes. Well, every month I go to my shaman for um, sacred pipe ceremonies. So they always tell the story of the White Buffalo Calf Woman, which is a Lakota story that um, is about how they believe the sacred pipe came about. Cool. Um, <laughs> you know, that, you know that, that sounds like the sort of thing that probably worked quite good in a comic, don't you think? Yeah. You know, um, so um, what what other things do you have going on at the moment um, aside from the uh, comic book with Red Sky? Is there an, anything anything else that that, that that you're doing that you'd like to talk about? Yes, I'm a Playboy Live model. Fans can chat with me live every night on PlayboyLive.com. Uh-huh. Um, you guys can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, all my social media. Um, you can call me on my phone through VerifiedCall.com. Just search my name on Google, and you can find it there. And also, I model mm-hmm. for a Parisian hair care brand, Fido. Fido, actually. Um, and yeah, I do a lot of different modeling, but all the links are on my Facebook. With the end page, so yeah. just look me up. Yeah, have you ever been been asked to do any um, fetish modeling and, and you know stuff like that? Yeah, I've been asked to do like fetish modeling, and I've gotten porn offers, but I don't do any of that. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, so like I, I, I definitely draw the line at porn, at porn modeling and stuff like that. But what, what what's the strangest thing you've perhaps been asked to do? Um, I don't know, like with fetish modeling, I've gotten like a message from this person who asked me like how ticklish my feet are and if they would let me, if I would let them film me getting my feet tickled and like the louder the laugh, like, um, I don't know, like some people are into that, I guess. Mm, Yes, um, you know, it's it's a strange old world. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I can, you know, that that's uh, that that's actually that's actually, you know, um, personally, I, I I can't really see see the appeal of actually watching someone getting their feet tickled, <laughs> irrespective of how good looking they are. I just can't see the appeal of that. It's a, it's a bit of a strange one. I guess if you have a foot fetish, it's just your dream come true. <laughs> I, I, it must be, <laughs> you know, yeah. you know. But you know, then it then it moves on to um, you know, the the, the whole uh, toll toll thing and 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 everything like that, which is kind of gross. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, is it is it is it Victoria Marissa on 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 Twitter and Facebook and uh, and all your social networking? Is it is it all is it all winding with that name? Yep, everything is Victoria Marissa on Playboy Live. I miss Victoria Marissa, but if you just Google Victoria Marissa, like all the links to my stuff um, will come up. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, um, you know, thanks for being on and talking about uh, your, your comic book Red Sky and um, you know the your Native American shamanism. It's really been nice and interesting to speak with you. Best of luck with comic, and uh, I hope you do get to do some cosplay uh, stuff at some point. That 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 you know, be really be really fun to see 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 you at some conventions. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I should tell you, like, I'm really into Hello Kitty, and I would definitely cosplay as her, so I'm wearing my little Hello Kitty diamond necklace. Oh, right. Can you see it? Kind of bright. Yeah, I I, I can see it, but it's kind of glaring off the light, sir. Um, but yeah, you know that that that'd be an interesting interesting one to do. Um, and um, you know, hang old hang old kitty, it's got a huge audience. Um, you know, yeah. I've, I've heard of it, and uh, you know, I, I think it's even been referenced a few times on Big Bang Theory. Oh yeah, probably. Yeah, it's, it's probably been referenced a few times on Big Bang Theory. Um, you know, so well, it's been really nice speaking with you, and um, you know, best of luck with the comic and the modeling career. Um, I hope you get to where you want to be, and um, you know, and and I hope it you know brings you all, all the happiness and the, the fulfillment that you're seeking. So thanks for not being on the show. Thank you so much. Okay, engine stop. We copy it down. Remember when science fiction drama envisioned stories that were happening where no one had gone before, discovering and exploring other worlds far, far away? While many of these series and films became cult classics, somewhere along the way, this genre got lost. Imagine if there was a place where you could go watch exciting new space opera series made specifically for the niche audience that you are. Imagine if this place was conducted by a team as passionate as you about science fiction and who would use all their background experience to make sure you get the best entertainment possible. SOS is a not-for-profit independent production facility that brings together writers, special effects wizards, and other creative talent from around the world who've worked on some of the most recognizable and respected science fiction franchises. So throw away your remote control and get real control by joining the Space Opera Society right now. With as little as $1, you can change the future of entertainment today. For more information, please visit our website. Which is, of course, spaceoperasociety.com. Where all your questions will be answered in our frequently asked questions page. And don't miss our short video presentation from some of our space opera series in development. I'm going to step off the limit. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Hi, my name is Steve Lund. And I play the character of Nick Sorrentino on the sci-fi and space series Bitten. You are listening.
listening to SciFiPulseRadio.com, taking the pulse of Sci-Fi. Well, that wraps things up for uh, this episode. Um, the next episode, we're going to be joined by uh, Britton Valente, um, who's going to be, you know, joining Reese and me for the um, for the discussion segment. Uh, Britton, of course, we had on as a guest a couple of weeks ago, uh, just before Christmas, when she was talking about her uh, sci-fi web series interrogation. So. It's going to be cool to uh, have Britain on again and just discuss, uh, you know, television um, and, and genre stuff in general. Um, in terms of the interview, we're, we're currently arranging that at present um, and we can't really say anything more until we, we announce it, but it's going to be pretty cool. Bye for now.